Hello, and welcome to season two, episode two of Dualistic Unity. I am playing the part of Andrew today. And I am still playing the part of Ray, though at some point I'm, I'm just going to start calling myself something else. Maybe Carl. Maybe next week it'll be the Dualistic Unity podcast with Andrew and Carl. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, it was funny in, in Discord, uh, someone mentioned like, imagine plot twists, like Ray was Andrew the entire time. <laughs> like it would, I feel like that would be a possibility if we didn't both have, you know, social media accounts or if it was just like a massive thing where we completely change names. But even then, like, you know, I have probably a thousand friends on there who actually know me on like Instagram and whatnot. <laughs> so that, that would have been a difficult thing to pull off, but yeah. The ultimate been ruse. Cool. Yeah. It would have been great <laughs> PR stunt for sure. All of a sudden you just pull off and make a fake face and it's me. Yeah. My wife would be terrified. I'm sure. Yeah. So it's been a weird week, man. I, I got to tell you, because, um, not much going on in my life in general this week, outside of, of course, all of the, the fun stuff we've been doing here on Dualistic Unity. We had the roundtable uh, last week, which was great fun, but my week has actually been fairly quiet. So I've more or less just been you know, going, going through my life and, and looking at the world. And, and that's been the focus of the week for me. I think that that's been very much what keeps tapping me on the shoulder is what's happening in the world around us, what, what is going down, going down in terms of climate change, in terms of the government, in terms of everything that's happening with these continued lockdowns, and, and, and more importantly, what's happening in the relationships that we are all building or failing to build with one another. The fact that it is so very difficult for everybody to actually see past their own insecurities or see past their own needs in order to actually recognize the intentions of somebody else for what they are. And so my daughter was talking to me about this today and she's 14, so she's growing up in the world. And, and she was saying, I don't know what the future really holds. And I had to sit down and actually say, none of us do. I mean, everything that we're experiencing right now is unprecedented. We've never been in this situation. We've never covered the world as we do as a species right now. We've never had the degree of control and comfort and, and production and everything else that we do. And, and more importantly, we've never faced the problems that we're facing collectively right now uh, in terms of, again, climate change or, or even what's happening with, in terms of resignations and, and the economy as it's progressing and, and it's having problems getting, moving supplies around the planet. Like These are all new things for us to deal with. And it can be all very overwhelming. And, and so that's that's very much been the, the focus of this week for me, seemingly enough, despite the fact that I don't watch the news and, and I don't I don't have cable television or anything like that. It's just it kept coming up in one form or another. I was talking to a client and they were dealing with very much the same thing. So I wonder, as you are in the beating heart of, of, uh, of a metropolis, and I am not, I, I live in a very small city by comparison to New York, how are you finding things are going in, in the relationships that you're seeing around you? How are you finding that, that things are going in New York? Do you find people are more on edge, that they're standing farther apart from one another? Do you, do you find that people are finding ways to come together or is it kind of a mix of both? Yeah, I think, I think it's always a little bit, it's kind of like a spectrum, you know, when I, cause I don't watch the news either. So I get all my information from like, you know, my, my team at work has a 10 a.m. meeting. That's kind of how we all start our day. And so like, I get information like that. Like that's how I heard about Omicron variant, probably like two weeks after it became a thing. I was just like, oh yeah, it's kind of going crazy. And I'm like, oh, what's, what are you talking about? What's that? But I do notice one thing that kind of like, uh, I, I keep as my sort of barometer is how many people 
outside in New York City are wearing masks. And so like that number has gone up quite a bit. So like when I started to notice that, I was like, oh, something must be must be going on. But um, yeah, I think I think even, you know, from the governmental side of things, just from what I've heard, because like, again, like I'm not really watching the news a whole lot. I, I, it seems like people are shifting from the mindset of like conquering this sort of unconquerable thing to let's see how we can live with things going on. And that sort of shift, you know, I know we don't want to get too deep into this sort of thing, but um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, I, I am starting to see mentality shift, at least in New York, where it's like, you know, take the precautions that you can be smart to the degree that you can, but like, you know, we've seen that there are implications of any decision that is ever made. Um, so let's, you know, do our best to survive with it. And at least that's what I've sort of been seeing more of. That's like a little bit different from, you know, early on in pandemic. Absolutely. It's funny, actually, that's, one thing we were talking about in, in another conversation prior to the podcast was uh, the difference in perspective, because admittedly, a lot of my perspectives in my life is informed by the awareness that I'm awareness that, that this body is not me as a whole. It's just a, a very temporary incarnation of me, uh, one of many. And, and so because I tend to think of the world that way, the idea of dying doesn't necessarily have the same pull on me. And, and I know some people are going to say, oh, that's easy for you to say you're healthy. But the fact is, is that I haven't actually have had a, a great history of being healthy in my life. I, I was born with a great many problems and I still have um, a great many things that, that I deal with day to day. But they're just things that I deal with. That, that's all it is. Like at any point I could die. At any point I could become very, very sick and, and pass on. And knowing that I am awareness, knowing that I'm everything that doesn't have the same pressure that it would otherwise. I don't want to necessarily isolate myself and hide from everybody because I know that there's a cost to that too. So there's almost a balance that we're being forced to find in this because at first everybody was panicked, like, oh my God, if I get it, I'm gonna die. And now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, if I get it, chances are I, I might get pretty sick or I might not. At this point, it's kind of all uncertain. So I'm just gonna kind of do the best I can and, and show consideration to everybody. If you think about it, that's what we should be doing all the time anyway. So, I mean, this has really just acted as kind of a way to, to get us to be more grounded in our perspective of what we're doing in our life and, and with everybody else. I remember my wife was saying like, it's crazy to me that we used to always just, you know, go out to the grocery store and like grab onto a cart not even thinking about whose hands have touched it, right? And, and so now, now we, we were almost um, overly sensitive to all of that, whereas before we had no sensitivity at all. So we're finding that balance. And I think that it's interesting how, just as we do that individually, it's almost like we're doing it collectively as well. We're, we're refinding that balance between, there's always gonna be a little bit of risk, but hiding from that risk has another cost in terms of our relationships, in terms of our ability to, to get together with one another and actually, you know, feel like life is worth living because life, life that's lived in constant fear of death isn't really living. That's just existing, right? And that's, that's something that unfortunately a lot of us have settled for in terms of just having comfort and control. We, we've kind of settled for this sense of, you know, tomorrow's going to be the same as today and that's good enough. And, and as you and I have said many times, stagnation 
is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think Alan Watts has talked about that a little bit, just the idea of, of people living a life fully, you know, for 50 years versus a life, you know, in constant fear and just like kind of living by the society's blueprint until they're a hundred, like, you know, which one is better. I think there is, it is up for debate and something I think that's fairly applicable to this type of situation that I've been thinking about recently is just the idea of suffering and like additional suffering on top of the situation at hand and how thinking that things should be different than they are adds this layer of suffering on top of you know already difficult situations like you're able to see things for what they are not necessarily immediately label them as good as good or bad just kind of sit in that uncertainty of like i don't know like this isn't i know this isn't good or bad people will argue that you know certain things are good certain things are bad but thinking that you know a certain situation like whether it's macro or micro like as the way the world is right now thinking it should be different it's like there's a degree that can foster change and growth and like sort of being that change but if you get too deep into sort of like a pattern of resistance it just adds suffering like it's just additional weight and suffering and the same thing is applicable to your personal life thinking that you know someone close to you acted a certain way they acted that certain way. Like it's just a situation that happened. Thinking that they should act differently will only cause you more additional suffering yourself that you are self-inflicting. They are not inflicting that suffering on you. It stems from you. So I think settling in the understanding that things are the way they are and we can continue to grow here and now, like in the situation, but if you're constantly, you know, complaining, wishing things were different, you know, just like this woe is me mentality, like all of these things, all it's going to do, like, it's not going to cause anyone else necessarily to change. Like, that's not how people change and grow from complaining and just like wallowing in this sort of idea that things should be completely different. It's like understanding that things are how they are. Like it's just the situation at hand, especially in your personal life. Like things are as they are. Most suffering stems from thinking that they should be different. And like, that's a lot of times what it comes down to. Absolutely. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll disclose a little bit for my personal life here. So I have a, a condition called pigment dispersion glaucoma. And as a result, I've lost 80% of the vision in my right eye. And that's just, something I have to deal with. It's just, it's something that's deteriorating over time. Now, when I first found that out, I, I fell into despair. I got really like down about the whole thing. I started projecting into my future and, and, and all of that. And then it isn't, so basically it took what I was already going through and made it infinitely worse because now I was dictating what was going to happen, what my experience was going to be, what the future was already laid out for me. And, and so I didn't allow myself to just find out what was going to happen by letting it happen, right? I was telling myself what was going to happen. And it, of course, as we discussed in the last episode, it's almost like, because I can't tell the future 
externally, I can't say this is what's going to happen in my world around me. I try to tell myself what my future is based on what I, I, I consider to be my own capabilities, right? And at that time, I was terrified. And so in a state of fear, I'm projecting my fear into the future. That's the path I'm seeing. It's all based on that experience of fear I'm having then and there. Whereas in a different state of mind, if I'm not thinking as, as much about myself and my preferences and my opinions and my assumptions, then all of a sudden the future is a much different road. It's something that has many more uh, uncertainties and a lot more potential. And it's just because again, I'm not adding to the suffering exactly like you're saying. And then it's like, like we said before, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And that is definitely the case. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I've had situations recently happen where it's like, objectively, you could say like, oh, not objectively, but like, you know, most people would agree, like, that sucks to go through that. But like being able to sort of take that step back and see that like, it doesn't, I'm just labeling it as that. And like, whenever I post things like things aren't good or bad or, or things like that, people will always like lay out all these examples that are good or bad. And like, you know, we even had um, someone on one of our free Zoom calls talked, uh, they mentioned having cancer. And, you know, that's a lot of times what people go to as an example of like objectively bad. And they, they use it as an example where they actually like learned a lot of things. They went through a lot and like grew a lot through the situation. Like, they didn't end up dying from it. They see life in a different way. So it's like those situations, you know, it's, and that's a touchy one because people, you know, cling to that and they don't like to hear you say like, it's not objectively bad, but nothing is. And if you want to hold on to the idea that you are going through the suffering, like you don't deserve this, you deserve better even, you know, a lot of people bring that up with relationships, but just specifically for this example, it's like thinking that things should be differently. It already, you know, it already kind of sucks having a situation like that. So like thinking that it should be different is like adding all these additional layers of suffering that aren't necessary and are self-perpetuated. So understanding that, you know, it isn't as objective as you think and being able to just sit in it and realize like there could be some good from this, but you're going to see, you know, more good quote unquote good stem from it, from not, you know, wallowing in that for as long and actually be able to learn from the situation way more quickly. If you don't, you know, feel bad for yourself for, you know, a week or a month or a year straight. And I think Ray mentioned in the last episode, you can either feel guilty or you can learn, but you can't do both. I think that's applicable to, you know, anytime you're going through a difficult situation, whether you think it was your fault or not, like wallowing in it, feeling bad for yourself, throwing a pity party, feeling guilty. If you feel like it was your fault, doesn't actually derive any benefit whatsoever. And it may exacerbate the situation where, you know, that's when that sort of snowball effect happens. And it's like, oh, nothing's going well in my life, blah, blah, blah. And people start freaking out because they, they don't see it from a point of view of like clarity and they just keep feeling bad for themselves, like resisting what's happening rather than seeing it as an opportunity to make some changes that could, you know, stop that 
snowball from rolling down the hill and actually like pivot their life in another direction that is, you know, you know, you might label it positive, but just like in a different direction and use it as an opportunity to learn as opposed to just wallowing and feeling bad for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because we get caught up in that idea of thinking about ourselves and then we suffer. And so we double down on that. We're like, I'm going to think about the suffering that is the result of my thinking about myself. So now there's more suffering. So then we think about that suffering and it becomes this intricate web of thinking about thinking, trying to find a resolution to a problem that doesn't really exist because it's all fictional. Right. And so as I've gotten older, what I found, especially being married, of course, because you get into an argument, you go out for a walk, all you're thinking is, I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> right. And of course, you're still in conflict because there's the I at the root of that, I'm right. And, and over time, you start to realize that what happens when that all passes, when it goes away, when you can actually talk to your wife again or talk to the person that, that you're you know, in, in conflict with again, is that you've stopped thinking about yourself. It's not that the thoughts have resolved themselves. You've just stopped making them important. You've changed your priority. You're like, I don't need to think about that. That's just you know, making things harder. And so now, more often than not, when I do end up in, in a place where things just start going haywire, I will remind myself, right? The sooner I can stop thinking about myself, the sooner this will all just start to play out on its own. And, and a big part of that is, is, again, questioning it, whether it's good or bad right from the start, right? But that's a practice that, that getting to that clarity is something that takes time, as you know, from your own journey. I mean, you weren't always thinking this way. It was very easy to fall on one side and feel sorry for yourself. It wasn't always easy to question that. And so this actually leads me to a question that somebody else had asked. And we talked about it a bit previously um, in just a private chat, but it seems like on this journey, we forget who we are. We forget what we are. We get caught up in this idea of who we are and, and all of the thought and emotion and suffering that goes with that. And then we have an opportunity to find clarity. Do you think that we have to go through that journey of forgetting who we are in every incarnation? And do you think that it's necessary? Do you think that there are incarnations where we, we just start out remembering who we are, whatever that might mean? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, I think, you know, anything's possible, you know, but I think in like environment always plays a role in situations and it's not something where you, you know, maybe want to sit and blame it once you are, you know, clearer on things. But I think coming into this society that we have right now, I think it would be a very difficult thing to come in not having, you know, that idea of yourself, because especially, you know, you start out as a child and children are extremely vulnerable and they're basically sponges. So unless you have someone who is like the only person you interact with, who sees that clearly, you know, and has sort of woken up, then it's going to be very difficult because like odds are you're going to interact with you know, hundreds of other people going through childhood. And I think that's a massive part of that sort of like buildup of the ego and that sort of uh, process of the ego that uh, I forget her name talks about uh, like the nine stages of ego or, or whatever it is. But 
Um, yeah, I think, yeah, as I mentioned, like anything is possible. I think it's difficult in the environment and society that we live in, but I think there can be, you know, people who are maybe closer to it given their environment or just naturally have a tendency to question things. Like I know, for example, just like I, I hear a lot of stuff about Alan Watts and he's just like a fascinating dude for me. And I heard, you know, people talk about him and he, he talked about himself as a child, how he was just like, he questioned everything. It was just very, a very inquisitive child that like, you know, things that didn't make sense cognitively, he just questioned very at a very, very young age. And so like, maybe, you know, when he was born, he was sort of like, closer to that in whatever way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm at. I'd be super curious to know who were his influences as a kid, because I've often thought, and specifically when the person asked, you know, do we always go through this to, in order to remember who we are? The first thing that really dawned on me was that we never really remember who we are because that's not what's happening. It's not that we're remembering ourselves as a concept. It's not like, ah, that's me. It's more like we have a moment of clarity and, and it's like, it's, we just recognize who we've always been, right? It's not even an idea. So we're not remembering anything. So technically we all, we all start there, right? And then depending on the people that we interact with, as you said, and yeah, if you were to deal with one enlightened person in a vacuum for your entire existence, perhaps that's all that would be influencing you, but you're dealing with other people and, and a lot of those people are egotistical and they're hurting you because they're hurting themselves. And so you have to go through all of that. And so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting that it's almost like we just lose ourselves in the concepts because the people around us tell us you're the concept, you're the idea look, we're all being ideas, you be an idea, right? And then as we start to get older, as you start to get to, you know, towards your age, or even if you do it younger and you start questioning that idea, the world around us that's built off of that game, that's actually built as a coping mechanism for the suffering created by our devotion to those ideas, right? That world just starts to re revolt. Um, it's kind of like that, uh, that movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio there where they went into a dream Inception. That was it. Yeah. Um, as soon as the dream became aware that they knew they were dreaming, it started to come for them, right? It's like, you don't fit here. That's kind of what the system does. As soon as you start to wake up to the fact that you're not your idea of yourself, the system goes, whoa, we can't, we can't direct you anymore. Why aren't you listening to the carrot and the stick? You don't fit here. And, and it's, it's not like you're waving a flag or, any, or anything, but you might as well be just because you're not enticed by the same conversation. You're not drawn by the same fears and needs. And, and so all of a sudden it's like you stand out like a sore thumb. And it's just because you get to that point where you're questioning. And it was Jane Lovinger that you were talking about the ego stages. Um, so that, that kind of begs the question is, if we are evolving as a society, like if, if just as individually we go through the stages of ego development, and now more and more of us are coming to the stage where we question our ego and the validity of that ego and we embrace the uncertainty that goes with that questioning. Is that indicative that our culture or our species as a whole is in fact moving in that direction? 
right? Are there enough of us to, to actually say for certain that's the, the direction that things are going in? And, and this is where I kind of get caught. Like I was saying, I was talking to my daughter today. There are such polar opposites that are happening right now in terms of the government is increasingly trying to get control over everything because it, that's what the government does. And on the other hand, you have more and more states and countries legalizing cannabis and psilocybin mushrooms. Those are two polar opposite things that are happening at the same time. And so it really makes it difficult to understand exactly what's happening as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to like the idea of remembering who we are, it's almost like not remembering who we are. Cause I think what we are is just what is left when there isn't anything to identify as. So it's like remembering what we're not like remembering that we're not all of these things that, you know, we've been conditioned into believing that we are, it's like, it's not learning. Like I would say in the last year, it's not that I've learned that many things. It's that I've unlearned a bunch of shit. And like, we're so as a society caught up in the idea of like learning more and learning more and learning more. And even, you know, outside of the school landscape, like I feel like we're just obsessed with like learning, gaining more knowledge. And I think I, I feel like it's more important to unlearn a lot of things and just like question those beliefs. Like, you can you know, learn so much more from like questioning and sort of unlearning and realizing that, you know, all of those things you've learned about yourself and the way the world is like might not be as true as you once thought they were. So it, it's less so just like that remembering who you are. Cause I would say that even, you know, defining who you are, isn't possible. Like we are always who we are. We are always what we are here and now. So like, we're always changing and always ourselves. And I was actually talking to a friend who I know her through just like social media stuff. We've never met in person, but she was talking about, he's going through some tougher stuff. And I shared just like, cause I think being open is important. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going through like all X, Y, Z right now too. And like, it's, it's tough, but like, I don't know if this is helpful, but just want, want you to let you know that you're not alone in this. And, and she was saying how, like, you know, she's 23 right now and just feels like she doesn't even know herself and like, know who she is and like, feels like she isn't necessarily, uh, doesn't know how to be a functional adult. And I was like, well, you know, I think first of all, that's being a functional, normal adult is extremely overrated. Like no one, we just have these ideas of what we are. And, and when it comes to knowing yourself, I would argue that I think a lot of people get caught up. And this goes back to that idea of suffering of thinking things should be different than they are getting caught up. It's kind of similar in thinking that they should know who they are or get caught up in like trying to know themselves. And it's like this unachievable, unattainable goal of like knowing yourself that people say is the most important thing you can ever do. It's the most important thing you can ever understand. And, and I would argue that you can't. So it's like, you're striving for something that's unachievable. And as close as you think you can get is like, you'll never fully get there. And at the same time, we talk about this all the time, especially more recently, that identity that you are trying to know and build up and like be so certain about 
is the root of your suffering. Like knowing yourself, having an idea, a solid idea of yourself is that root of your suffering. So people say that like knowing yourself is the most important thing you can ever do. I would say, I would argue it's like something you should stop striving to do and just kind of relax into that uncertainty of, I can't know who I am. I can never know who I am because I am me. Like the subject cannot be the object that which is known sort of deal. Like tip of my finger can't touch itself. Tongue can't taste itself. Teeth can't bite itself. You can't know yourself. So striving to is just striving for something that's unattainable and will only cause you more suffering. Just like thinking things should be different than they are. Yeah. And it's funny because that is basically the only form of meditation that I do now. Just reminding myself that there's no self to know. There's no self to know. And so I sit in this state of ever deepening sensitivity to what I am. That's what meditation is. It's just allowing myself to experience me, right? But without judgment, without opinion, without any kind of, you know, I guess, interference with that, it's more or less just sitting back and allowing myself to feel my existence for what it is. And the deeper you go, the more profound that seems to get, but it's never searching for yourself because every time you're searching for yourself, you're always going to find something that makes you feel just awesome and puts other people lower than you because every concept is dualistic, right? As soon as you grasp for a concept, there's a polar opposite to it. Right. And so you're always, always creating more division. You're always creating more conflict. You're always exacerbating the problem by grabbing onto an idea. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't use ideas. I use them all the time. I mean, one of the things that used to help me when I got out of my my funk and I stopped beating myself up and telling myself I was just a terrible, terrible person all the time was that I didn't get into the habit of boosting myself up because that just felt weird, too. But I would do it almost in humor. Right. Like it would just be, you know, well, why do you want to go out and hang out or why should I go and hang out with you tonight? Right. Instead of going to this thing, it's like, cause I'm awesome. And I'm not taking that seriously. It's just funny. Right. Because it's so absurd, especially given all of the terrible things I used to tell myself in the past. Right. It's just humor. You just treat it lightly because it's, it's fun. That's what concepts are meant to, to be. They're meant to be useful. Right. But as soon as we start treating them as truth, as soon as we start wrapping them around ourselves, then again, we end up in a world of fiction. Right. And in that world of fiction, everything is split down the middle. It's always dualistic. It's always black and white, light and dark, good and evil. It's always. And, and so the only way out of that is to recognize the root. And the root is the fiction of me. Yeah, that that whole idea of like being able to be humorous and just like not taking things seriously. I think that resonates a lot with me right now. Cause I know we talked, uh, I think it was Friday and I kind of expressed to you how I've always been. And I've talked about this in discord as well, just like very rigid and like kind of on that spiky sort of path of like having very strict schedules, goals, like, a uh, things that I want to achieve and accomplish in my life. And as opposed to like being a, more on the wiggle side of things. And the last few months I've been much more on the wiggle side of things and, you know, very much not having structure. And so I've sort of come out of it 
I think. And I've kind of seen both sides and realized like there are necessities to both sides. There are benefits to both sides. And so when I first kind of like woke up, especially like when we started doing the podcast, I was like, I can relax into this uncertainty. I'm not certain about anything. So like why sort of limit myself to a schedule where that kind of like puts me on this sort of rigid path where like there are things that I might miss along the way. If I'm like scheduling things kind of like I, I kind of equated it to you know the idea of manifesting. And when you're so focused on that, like destination, you kind of miss the things all around you. So I've just been sort of relaxing into just the moment experiencing things and not really need it feeling this urge to like drive towards something. And I think now I've been able to see that and I've experienced it for a couple months now where, you know, like I wasn't waking up early. I was just kind of like going to bed when I was tired, which a lot of times ended up with me fucking like, I don't bring my phone to my bed. So I would be in my living room in my apartment, like on my phone. It's just like transferred into that. And so like, because I wasn't strict and I was like, oh yeah, cause I can just sleep until eight o'clock. I can go to bed at 12 and still get eight hours, blah, blah, blah. But what I've realized is there's benefits to both and like getting, and I, this is very recent, like kind of getting back to the scheduling side of things and like the spiky side of things is like, I have seen that there are lots of opportunities that I have in my life and they're much more difficult. It, it is more difficult to do a lot of the things you want to do throughout the day without a schedule. Like if you have no schedule, there will be a lot. And I'm finding that, yeah, like I'll, I'll post a few videos a day. Like I have some stuff scheduled throughout my week, you know, our live things, our Patreon stuff, our round tables, our podcasts and everything. And obviously I work every day. Like I work from, you know, nine to five basically, but outside of that, because I had such little structure, I wasn't necessarily holding myself, even though I had an idea of like, stuff I wanted to get done and work on and whatever, like I never would. And the end of the day would come and I'd be like, fuck, like, uh, whatever it's, it's fine. But like, I wouldn't beat myself up at the same time, which is like sort of part of my process of getting over is like not judging myself for not accomplishing certain things and not feeling worse about myself for not accomplishing things. So now I've kind of like gone back and forth, realized there is a balance and I've always been for example, more productive in the morning, like typically with work, I would always show up when I was going into the office, I would always, you know, be the first one in the office and like get a lot of the stuff done that I wanted to get done, like for my personal work stuff. And then, so when people started coming in and bothering me, I could feel okay because I already got a lot of my stuff done. So I've kind of realized that, that it's okay to have some structure and get stuff done without necessarily like still not exactly having like set goals that I'm working towards, but like I can still have a schedule throughout the day and like do a bunch of shit throughout the day without feeling like I need to accomplish all of these things. But there was a point, you know, last few months where I was feeling like I almost shouldn't have a schedule because I'm like not being fully free and I'm restricting myself. And it's like this strange thing where I was thinking I was getting caught up in these ideas and ideas of like labeling things as right or wrong. And it's like, none of them are right or wrong. It's all about finding that balance for you. So now 
I think I'll probably be like, you know, churning out a lot more stuff, which I enjoy doing every moment of it. But having that sort of schedule allows for a little bit more of that freedom in the, in like a different way, but it's coming at it. You know, I've kind of gone 360 degrees coming at it from a, a different perspective and mentality where just like finishing this up early on in my career with work, like three years ago, I was just like waking up early and doing all this stuff because yeah, there were things I wanted to accomplish, but it was almost out of a fear of like, or feeling of like needing to do it. Whereas now it's like, there are so many things I want to do that without a schedule, I just wouldn't be able to do all of it. And now I'm coming at it with a mentality of like, I get to do all of this stuff. And it's really cool that I have all of these opportunities in front of me now applying a schedule and now coming back to like, probably waking up at the same time. I used to wake up at like 4.45, 5 a.m. So I had plenty of time before work started to get all the stuff done that I wanted to. Now I'll probably go back to waking up super early because I have all of these things that I want to do. And if I you know, sleep till eight or nine, I'm just not going to have the time to do all of it. So anyway, <laughs> that's what I'm going through right now. <laughs> yeah, it's balance. I mean, I, I've dealt with a number of clients who, who tend to fall on the, on the one extreme end where they just don't feel like they can get enough done in a day. And so it's important to remember that you're never actually going to get everything done ever until you die. There's always going to be more to do. The task list never ends. And so you kind of have to be reasonable about how much you're going to get done from day to day. Um, but it's, it's true. Balance is, is definitely something that you want to consider and being able to have a schedule that you're using as more of a template then a discipline is super useful. Like there are days where I'll have a task list and I just won't feel like doing it. So I don't. And then the next day, maybe I don't feel like doing it again. And I go, yeah, but I, I want to get that done. So I'll force myself. And then the next day I'm just raring to go and I finish three days worth of work. That's just how it goes. So the, the, the schedule itself isn't setting the pace. It's more or less just giving me a way to conveniently keep track of how much I'm getting done. And that's dependent on what I want to do, right? And it has to be dependent on what I want to do, not what I should do, or not what other people tell me to do, not, not what society dictates is, is what's best for me because none of that works, right? That doesn't help you find balance. That just helps you, you know, go towards another concept that's going to help you cope for a little while before it starts creating conflict again, right? But yeah, it's just about being it's, it's about being fluid in how often you're rigid, right? So it's, it's always that balance. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's just like in martial arts, right? Sometimes you want to be relaxed. Sometimes you don't. It really depends on the situation. And so you're just feeling it out as you go. Yeah, I'm definitely finding that sort of balance. And, and it's been helpful to just not, you know, judge myself along the way and kind of like, taking things with grace as I go, kind of like being able to have a sort of higher level view of things and realize that, you know, day to day, I might feel one way, like today, I just like, wasn't, there's a number of things going on in my life and just like, wasn't feeling great overall and not like judging myself for not feeling great or necessarily even thinking that I should feel great. Just being like, I'm 
feeling this way. A lot of it is because I am, you know, identifying with things going on. It's myself is getting involved. Like the idea of me is getting involved in all of these things, like being able to see that and like, I'm aware of it, but it's like, I still don't feel great, but like, that's okay. At least I'm aware of like what's actually happening and not like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I, I wish I didn't feel this way. Like, why do I feel this way? And like, you know, blaming anything outside of myself for that. It's like coming back to that sort of responsibility, which isn't always super easy because it's a lot easier to, you know, blame outside uh, factors going on in your life. And there's, you know, all sorts of reasons why, whatever. And, and at the end of the day, like that doesn't, benefit you at all. And that's just going to exacerbate that those issues that you're going through. And, and so at least if you're not feeling great, understanding that it's stemming from the idea of yourself that you're clinging to, it might not immediately like solve everything, but at least it kind of like triggers that sort of like process to begin as opposed to like you know, maybe you start trekking up the mountain a little bit instead of just like continuing to tumble down it almost is what I kind of think about. But yeah, just being able to see it clearly and understand, like sort of take that responsibility and at the same time, like not take it too seriously and understand that it's not going to last forever. Like it rarely lasts more than a day if it lasts two, Okay. But a lot of times it's just clinging to thoughts and like suffering is exacerbated by thoughts, if not just like straight up caused by thoughts. And as soon as you stop thinking and thinking about how horrible everything is, you kind of look around and you're like, oh, things aren't so horrible. Things are actually not nearly as bad. My mind is just telling me that it was. And once you're able to get that idea of you and your mind out of the picture, like Things just are as they are. There are no labels and judgments left to make you feel bad, you know? So yeah, that, that helps me at least. Absolutely. Well, it clears the distortion, right? It's kind of, it's funny. It's kind of like, you know, the, the secret door on, on the level it's, oh, right. This has a root, the fiction of me. And, and, and that's, that's the process. And, and as you're finding is that as soon as you can identify that, yeah, it doesn't make the problem go away. But it's almost like the process of going through that problem just becomes shorter. Like all of a sudden it's just like, right, this has a common root. So I just have to remember that and let it, let it happen on its own. Because as soon as we start to judge ourselves for getting stuck in that, it's like, oh, I'm identifying again. I should know better. We've just done it again. We're, we're stuck, right? And so the trick is just like, I'm identifying again and then not identifying with identification but reminding ourselves that it's actually habitual, that that is actually kind of the death throw of that habit popping up, trying to reestablish itself. And if you're not paying attention to it, if you're not giving it that energy so it can survive, you're actually cycling through it one more time to diminish it each and every time, right? So now it's not a day or two before you feel better, right? It's an hour or five minutes or just a few seconds. And, and it's really just keeps, it comes down to just practice, 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 right? And all you're practicing is just getting out of your own way. So it becomes, again, it becomes self-refining. And I, I wonder about this because we talk about the individual and the collective. And what we're talking about is basically that identity 
overcommitted to his truth is the root of our suffering at the end of the day. And we're figuring that out collectively. Now we're looking at cryptocurrency. Now we're looking at, at the rise of, of the DAO and decentralized organizations and all of that. And what I find very interesting is that those are all dependent on anonymity. Those, those structures are literally built on, or the people who are using those structures are learning to do so without identifying. They're doing it with anonymous strings as their, as their addresses, right? And so that, I wonder if that is almost another stage to our collective awakening to the danger of identity. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating how closely tied that sort of movement is to this. It's like very cool and it makes sense, you know, why the government hates it so much and are doing everything they can, throwing everything they can at it to stop it because they are rooted in that sort of identification, that sort of idea of control that, you know, as long as everyone has an identity, you know, we can control things. And as long as we push this idea of valuing that identity, we can, you know, remain in control. So something like, you know, cryptocurrency, you hear just about how difficult it is to, you know, mine and all the energy it takes up and all of these things that they're just like pushing this narrative, just like they've pushed narratives in the past of, of things that they wanted to be different. You know, when it comes to psychedelics, for example, like they needed, you know, people to go to war. They needed to, for at least in America, like people to fight in Vietnam and to identify as, you know, defending America. And it just didn't make sense to people who were taking psychedelics, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the hippies and stuff just like weren't identifying as this sort of script that they wanted to be identified with. And so they put out all this propaganda about how, you know, horrible it is. And like, you never know, you could have a horrible trip and, you know, die and, and go crazy and all this stuff that's still part of the stigma today when it's just it's just rooted in that sort of identity because people weren't identifying in a way that they wanted and that is what exacerbates it. and it's funny because that's what you know leads to things like war in the first place is that identity as being different from another when we're all just like here on earth without and and have all of these imaginary borders that cause conflict and any sort of belief is sort of exacerbating and you know reflecting that sort of root of identity and that's where it's all it all kind of stems from that's our history in a nutshell right you and i are different i'm going to divide divide us with the line this line is real that's your side this is my side Right. And then, then, you know, our children grow up and they maintain that same stupid game. And then they have children of their own. A thousand years later, my country is fighting your country. And we're literally standing on the same patch of ground saying that this side is, is this country and this side is the other country. It's the funniest thing. Like um, I used to live in Ontario and I used to always find it really funny to go down to the American border where you're literally standing on it. You're like one foot's in Canada, one foot's in the States because it doesn't actually make any sense. It's not a real thing, right? It's just arbitrarily decided. This is where the dividing line is. It's like, okay, like it doesn't, it's the same ground. 
Like we're standing on the same, like nothing has changed from one side to the other, except how people identify and, and, and the rules based on that identification. So you identify as American, you're gonna follow American rules. I identify as Canadian, I'm gonna follow Canadian rules. That's it, that's, that's the whole difference between crossing from one side of that line to the other. Reality doesn't change at all. It's just our fictional game. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that those lines are all imaginary and like all of those sort of like concepts, even of like, you know, the idea of Europe and Asia being two separate continents. It's like, it's all Eurasia. Like there's no, that line, there's not actually a line like drawn in the sand there. It's just completely made up. And I think that is kind of, that is a massive thing that that people don't exactly understand like if you talk about it they're gonna be like yeah obviously it's imaginary but like in practice and in reality like they people forget and it's the same thing with identity of like you know this human character it's like whether you take it seriously or not and it's like yeah there is a divide in a certain way that like you know one country is on one side one is in the other but it's not the truth it's like the difference between taking things seriously. It's like existing in this, you know, dualistic illusion and taking it seriously or not taking it seriously. It's the same thing with, you know, country borders. It's the same thing with like people of different races, different ethnicities. It's like, even with skin color, like there is an infinite number of skin colors. There's not like a line where it just changes. It's like, there is everything in between. Like I get in the summer, I get pretty tan and like, I am a completely different shade in the summer versus in the winter. But like, it's crazy that if it just kept going, you know, like I got really dark, then it would like my whole, the whole idea of me would shift. Like if, if my skin became very dark, it would like, it would shift so many things but it's like it's not actually changing any there isn't actually any distinctive difference and it's crazy how many people take that as truth and because there's so many ideas that come along with you know and so many stigmas that come along with you know all these things and i've talked about like at some point maybe dyeing my hair like green or blue and just posting a picture and just being like social experiment what is the first thing that you think of when you see this picture and it's like question that because it's not the truth it's your perception of how you see someone with different colored hair like someone gets a piercing it's like all of a sudden everyone has all of these ideas about them and who they are that are different than what they were. And it's like, those are all made up. Like if you actually take those seriously versus just seeing them and just like not realizing that it doesn't actually change anything is like kind of the different, like a very distinctive difference of being, you know, existing in this society with, taking things like very seriously, taking yourself very seriously versus like existing using Andrew or using the idea of Ray as a tool and not take, but not taking it as truth, you know? So. But that's a change in priority, right? Now we have to stop trying to find the right way or find the right person to be, or find the right country to be, or the right government to be. And we have to just be, 
right? And let everybody else be and figure that shit out for themselves, right? And, and that, we just don't know how to do that because we don't have any faith in one another because we don't have faith in ourselves. How can we? We're a very limited idea that's constantly afraid because of that idea. So we, we just assume everybody else is just as confused as we are because we're confused. And the world just limps along like that, getting into battles for no good bloody reason, except for the fact that none of us are able to see one another as being one and the same, or at least connected. And so, yeah, I find that that fascinating. And I think that the more we recognize this, the more we are reprioritizing, right? Like what I, I really, um, so in the round table, uh, after we finished the round table, we were talking about the concept of a DAO, uh, a decentralized organization with the specific purpose of doing good, not good, but, but doing something unifying in the world, something that doesn't involve um, a group that believes in one thing or, or identifies in one certain way, but actually looks at the intention behind certain projects and then just shares resources in, in accordance to, to those intentions and, and an agreement. That's something we want to put our energy behind. Now, if you had a world full of people like that, if you had a world full of groups that were just doing that, sharing their resources with other groups and just governing themselves, you would essentially have a global tribal society all of which would be slightly different than their neighbors, according to their own preferences and their own way of life and their environment and their culture and, and everything else, but still able to work with one another. You wouldn't have these, these hard lines, but then again, without those hard lines, those borders, you also wouldn't need a standing army, right? So things would start to change. And so what we're seeing now is not just us moving farther and farther away from identity as truth, but farther and farther away from greed and selfishness as truth, because those go with identity. They are also the result of our confusion. And I, I get, I love the fact that all of a sudden now we have things like DAOs that are, are coming into existence. And I'm bringing up a DAO specifically here for our listeners who are wondering, because uh, dualistic unity is actually expanding somewhat in our, somewhat in our ambitions. We're actually going to be exploring the idea of very much forming a DAO um, behind the intention of encouraging unifying projects and unifying groups around the world in a way that doesn't depend on fiat currency, doesn't depend on the systems, forms and registrations for charities and things like that. It is actually just direct help from one organization to another. And you're all going to have a chance to be involved with that as it rolls out throughout season two. Uh, of course, people who are on Patreon are gonna get the first word of how things are going because they get access uh, to early news. But of course, we'll share this with people on Discord as well. And we're gonna be talking about it in upcoming seasons. So definitely join us on Discord if you wanna know more about the DAO and the future of dualistic unity NFTs, because not only are we talking about change personally in ourselves, but we actually wanna use that change in order to encourage change in the world around us. And I know for me, it just makes sense because I don't know anything about DAOs. And so I've spent the last week learning about DAOs, ignoring every thought I've had that I can't learn about DAOs because it's, it's not within my wheelhouse. And that's kind of what I mean, right? Just keep questioning yourself, keep questioning those limitations. If you don't know, go learn. If you, can't, if you, have, if you don't understand, break it down to something simple until you do understand and then build from there, right? So that's what this is. As we grow individually, we're growing collectively. And this, this new project, is just a part of that, as is our new movie, Beyond Transcendence. 
Yeah, very excited for both of those. And yeah, that idea of questioning the thoughts that come up, I think a lot of people never get to the point where they question those and realize that those thoughts aren't the truth. You know, they never are. And, and your mind is, is always coming up with ideas and perceptions about the way things are and the way you are that are not the truth. And that was one of the things like just simply questioning a couple of the things that I felt so sure about myself. I think I've talked about this in previous episodes, but like, that's what triggered me to start posting content was just questioning a few ideas that I had about myself for like most of my life, at least through high school and like most of college, like these ideas about myself that, you know, I wasn't a good speaker. I wasn't a good communicator. I couldn't, you know, express ideas in a way that could be understood well like those were the it's funny how just like opposite that is what i do now like talking about all this stuff is like expressing ideas in in different ways and and communicating things and speaking and just like talking all the time like i had all of these preconceived notions about myself that i just wasn't good at any of these things and wasn't you know able to confidently express myself in different ways. And as soon as I, it was just like, I, you know, saw a recording of myself going through something and I had these perceptions and I was able to see it from a different perspective. And I was like, oh shit, like that, maybe that's not true. And then I kind of went deeper into that and I was like, oh, oh, wow. Oh my God. Oh, holy shit. Like I've been wrong this whole time. <laughs> like, oh my God, like that's crazy. And then it just like kind of snowballed from there. But just taking the time, like I think a lot of people have at least one, two, maybe a handful of sort of limiting beliefs. And I've read some books that are kind of identifying these things and labeling them as certain things, but it's just like perceptions of yourself that you think are the truth and realizing that they aren't like whatever you think they are, like they're not the truth. It's not like maybe they're the truth. It's like, no, they're not. They're perceptions, they're ideas, they're thoughts. Those are never the truth. So realizing that you can like question them and then like live through the understanding that they're not the truth can just be just freeing enough that you start to, you know, act in a way that isn't through those perceptions. And then things start to change and then it kind of snowballs because then you're acting in a different way. And then you're like confirming different things, like different thoughts. And all of a sudden it's not those, you know, limiting thoughts. It's like, oh, actually maybe. And it's not that you need to have specific thoughts, but it's like, maybe, you know, I'm not any of those things and I'm just here now existing and who knows what could happen and, and kind of like settling into that uncertainty and relaxing into that uncertainty and just doing, you know, whatever you want to do, giving yourself a direction and, and moving and seeing what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually I'm going to share a, a story of our own um, from dualistic unity, just to, just to kind of show how that's the case. So when you and I first talked in August and when we did our, our first talk for my own YouTube channel, and then we decided we we're going to do a podcast well, in that interim, I was kind of wrestling back and forth because I know that the topics that we cover are um, not always welcome by the majority or, or by the dominant mentality. And so I started thinking, well, how long could this podcast go on? Maybe we're going to run out of things to talk about. Maybe nobody's going to have any interest. You know, we don't know. Oh, well, screw it. Let's do it anyway. 
And so we did, and we've been doing this ever since. And with very little thought as to, is the audience gonna come along? At first we had a very small audience for the first two months and then things have just been picking up really, really fast just recently, so much so that the Dualistic Unity podcast was actually listed on Feedspot's top 70 spiritual podcasts. We got number 14, despite only being in existence for four months. So it just goes to show that it's worth it to just find out. It's worth it to just do it because you want to do it and, and see where it goes. You don't have to have that end result that you're shooting for. If each step of the journey is its own reward, then it doesn't matter how it ends up. It ends up in the end. You've already benefited. You've already grown. And it just happens to be that when you are doing that, the end result usually ends up being just awesome. Maybe not at first, but sometimes, you know, a few, a few failures down the road, but you don't care about the failures because you don't identify with them. So it just becomes an, a longer and more epic journey, just like dualistic unity. Yeah, certainly. It's like just the act in itself of figuring it out, like figuring out if you're right or wrong is the success in itself. It's like the initial action. Like that's uh, personally with content, like it was just, I realized that it was something that I wanted to do. And that's basically what it came down to. I knew that, you know, if I didn't do it, there would be a point where I might regret it because the only reason I didn't want to do it is because I was afraid of how people would judge me. And like, once I got over that, it was like just starting, just putting myself out there, just my first few videos, like I succeeded right there. That was it. And then I just kept rolling because I realized I enjoyed it. And, you know, people started to resonate with some of the stuff I was talking about. And then, you know, a year and a half later, here we are, but it's, I think worth finding out. And a lot of people never find out and they're for whatever reason. And even, you know, I've someone close to me who's like had a TikTok draft in their drafts for, they posted a couple of TikToks, but like they've had a draft and it's a really cool video. It's like a compilation video. And I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome. And they haven't posted it. And it's been like three months and like, why don't you post it? Like, I, I almost can't even like I, I do, I can put myself in their shoes and like, remember that. But part of me almost can't because my mentality is like, I would post that video. And if it doesn't do well, I would like change a few things and just post it again. I would post like a hundred versions of it. Cause like, I think it's that cool that one of them is going to hit. And that's what I would do is just like put a bunch of shit out there. Like I make videos where I'm like, uh, I could have said something a little bit better here, but like, we'll see how it does. And I can just make another video and say it a little bit differently in another way, like down the road. It's not even like this has to be perfect or else all these people are going to think X, Y, Z about me and like judge me in a certain way. It's like, I'm going to see what happens. Odds are it might resonate with a few people. If it does cool. And I can always just tomorrow make another video and like say it in a little bit of, of a different way or like, you know, whatever it is, just switch it up. But when you're not living in that sort of like fear of judgment, it's like you're in a state of freedom where you can do anything. Like there isn't anything stopping you. And especially when you get beyond the idea of yourself and like the fiction of you that you think that you are and the sort of illusion that you think that you are, if you get beyond that, it's like, there isn't even what, what is there even to be afraid of or worry about? Like 
what, that someone judges this idea of you that you know that you aren't, that that's all that they can see? Like, whose fault is that? It's not yours. So like, why not do whatever you want with this experience that you have in front of you here and now? Yeah, not my circus, not my monkeys, right? Like that, that's very much it. And that's, but it takes practice at first. I, I know, like I, it's, it's difficult because after a while it becomes reflexive. Like you start thinking in a way where you're always defending your idea of yourself. You're always relying on your idea of yourself. You're always, and, and of course you feel confused. And so you double down on that because everybody's telling you that's the exact thing you're supposed to do. Like what? Oh, you don't know what you should be doing. You need a better identity. You need a better sense of identity. You need higher self-esteem, right? And all of that just makes the confusion worse, right? Because it's, it's putting you in a box that you're not. And now you're trying to be that box and it's bumping up against everything in reality, which is fluid and you're no longer able to feel the flow, right? And so when you start getting through that, I've often described it as uh, trying to crawl uphill through mud where it feels like, you know, you're, you're working so hard to stop thinking about yourself and you just keep getting sucked back into it. And at that point, it's so important to remind yourself and I, and I say this repeatedly, I'm a bit of a broken record this way. Just because you don't feel like you're making progress, that doesn't mean you're not, right? Every step forward is a step forward, even if it feels like a step backwards. As long as you just keep reminding yourself, I'm still moving forward, right? As soon as, as, soon as you think, oh, I'm not doing very well, you're stuck again. That's all it is. Up until that point, up until you start judging your progress, you're still making progress, right? And even if you judge your progress and you go, oh, I'm judging my progress, that's progress too, right? It just comes down to just recognizing it and then not telling yourself a story about how you're doing. Just accepting that you don't know and you don't know. Find out, right? And then when you find out, don't assume you knew that you know what the re result was because I can't tell you how many times in my life something's gone badly for me and I went, oh, great. And then two years later, I realized that experience opened a door for me in that moment that it wouldn't have been there otherwise, because I, I, I wouldn't have learned from it. So it's so it's so important to just don't assume, live in uncertainty, try, don't identify with your failures and have faith in yourself. You're always growing. Yeah, there's a level of freedom that comes with that uncertainty too, when you're not constantly judging everything that happens. And it's funny, you bring up that situation of something happening and like, you know, getting caught up and judging it, you know, something happened to me recently. I've talked to you about it, but yeah, just like with, yeah, a situation where, you know, it seems right now, like it's just objectively bad, but I just know that it isn't, it's, it's nothing. It is a situation that happened and here I am continuing to exist in that. And, and when you're not, feeling this urge to cling to an identity and judge everything through that identity. Cause that's all that judgment is, is like stemming from relative to that identity. However you want to say it, like, Oh, you know, I've had people close to me say like, how do you know that identity is the root of suffering? And it's like, tell me one thing you're afraid of, or one thing you worry about that doesn't stem through or like pass through this idea of you that you think you are. It's like, no, that's where that conversation ends typically. So when you're able to exist, just like kind of in that flow of in the 
flow of not having that identity of yourself come with you in every situation and just sort of be that doing like right now I am speaking, I am the act of speaking right now. There is no separation between me and speaking. That sort of idea is there's no judgment, but I'm going to judge the act of speaking. Like there, it's not my act of speaking. It's just the act of speaking. What is there to judge in that? It's a, an event that's happening. Like there isn't any, but if it comes in that I am Andrew and Andrew is speaking, all of a sudden there's all of these things to throw judgment on. So if you're able to live in that sort of uncertainty without the need to judge everything, and I know because I've existed where I judge every single thing that happens and it's exhausting, it's extremely exhausting. And it's so much more freeing to be able to exist in a state where you're not judging everything. And as Ray talks about, and we talk about all the time, like not judging your progress and not judging yourself. If you do get caught up in judging certain things, not being like, Oh fuck, like fuck me. I'm judging stuff again. It's like, that's doing, that's judging your judgments. And that's the same sort of cycle that you were in, in the first place when you judge that thing. So if you can just catch it and be like, Oh, I'm judging stuff again. That's not actually how things are. And just keep moving forward in that uncertainty without the need to bring your identity along with you into every single thing that happens, there's less to judge and it's just a practice. And eventually it becomes easier and easier to the point that you're always catching it and just able to see things a little bit more clearly because, you know, living through these perceptions and judgments is a clouded way of living. It's very difficult to see things clearly when you judge everything through this very limited perception that you have. And it's only a perception that's like right now, you can't see the full picture going on. You can't see what this leads to and what that next event leads to and what that next event leads to. You can't see any of those things. So your judgment right now is pointless because you just have no idea what this path will lead down. So once you get more comfortable in that sort of existence, you realize just how silly and kind of futile judging every single thing that happens really is. Yeah. And it always comes back to reinforcing my prison. It's reinforcing my suffering, which is always, you know, kind of, you know, I've always found that to be funny when I'm doing it. I understand it's not funny for other people when, when they're doing it, but I, when I'm going through my own doubts and fears and stuff and I go, Oh, I'm thinking about myself again. I genuinely find that funny now because once upon a time, that was a mystery to me. I didn't know why I was suffering. And now it's just like, oh, that's why I'm doing that. I'm invested in that again. But when you're committed to that mentality, it's difficult to do anything but judge another mentality. Like when you are committed to your idea of yourself, if somebody were to come up to you and not take themselves seriously, you would consider that person to be lazy right? You would judge that person as not, you know, being committed to their, their goals and not being a go-getter and all of this. And then you would judge it according to the way you look at yourself, right? And so this is kind of like the way this, the system is reacting to cryptocurrency, right? Because the system is so completely committed to fiat currency, the banking system, the, everything that goes with that system of control and minting money and doing all of that, that cryptocurrency comes along, the system can't, can't adjust to that because it, it can't, adopt that and keep its control. And so all it can do is judge that. 
and you just go, no, cryptocurrency is going to crash and burn. It's going to fall. It's going to fail. It's going to, how many times have we heard Bitcoin's going to fail? You know, cryptocurrency is over, right? And it never is, right? But it's always the same people saying that it's the end of cryptocurrency until those people a few years down the road end up adopting cryptocurrency. And suddenly now they're able to see things differently. Why? And it's just because they, they questioned what they considered to be the truth. And they found a deeper perspective and that changed what was possible for them. And so it's always just about questioning it, right? That's, that's it. As soon as you get stuck in a mentality, all you can see is your own mentality. That's all you're looking at. It doesn't matter anything else. Like, and I know this, like in my old videos from 2005, I wasn't really saying anything differently than I'm saying now. Somebody left a comment on that video like, oh, yeah, well, you know, what do you do for work now? I'm the sales director for an agricultural technology company. Oh, oh, I didn't know. It's like, no, you just assumed that because I viewed things in a certain way that I was a certain type of person who didn't like hard work, who didn't want to participate, who didn't, you know, take on responsibilities, so on and so forth, because those were all things that they reserved for their way of looking at the world. Right? And that's the point is that we're blind to one another so long as we're committed to our own fiction. And if we're doing anything here, and we've said this before, and we're going to continue to say it, it's just questioning the validity of that fiction. That's all we're ever doing over and over and over again in this conversation, in our own lives, collectively, on our Discord, on our Patreon, and, 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 and in as many ways as we can moving forward, we are just going to be drumming on this one beat. Identity is fiction, and that fiction creates a hell of its own when you don't question it. That's the entirety of this movement, if there is a movement there. And it's not that we're trying to instigate it. It's arising on its own. It's been bubbling up for years. We saw it in the hippie movement. We've seen it several times since. Something's got to give, because the system as it stands right now, just like a person who is overcommitted to their ego inevitably faces crisis as a result, that's what we're seeing in the system. And so that crisis is forcing us to change. And I'm happy to say I'm embracing that change. Yes, likewise. It's interesting seeing just how closely tied like stubborn people are to that, that idea of stubbornness in their beliefs is so closely tied to their suffering as well. And it's like, it's, it, I've always found that to be, and like, there have been certain things in my life that I've been, you know, stubborn about in a certain way. And I've, when I've, you know, stopped identify, even before I sort of like, you know, woke up in a sense, like when I stopped identifying with that, you know, belief as the truth and it being the only way, like a lot of my suffering was all of a sudden relieved. And I was like a little bit lighter and, and things were a little bit easier and like, didn't seem like everyone was against me all of a sudden. And it's like, it comes back to you and, and what you are holding on to, because when people are stubborn about things, typically it's because they identify with a certain way of thinking or a certain belief or, you know, anything in that realm is where stubbornness comes from. So they have to defend it because they're defending their identity when it gets, you know, when they cling to it hard enough. So it's like, that's why people get worked up about those things. And, and even that, uh, you mentioned, uh, the guy, the singer who got called Usher last week and like flipped a shit. Cause we were 
we were talking about, you know, what if, what if your identity is in a positive way? Like, can it be clung to in a positive way if someone's just a really positive person, like, and they don't find negative things about their identity? So the singer was Jason Derulo. I looked it up. He's a pretty famous American singer. He actually has a big TikTok account too. Um, he's like pretty famous on TikTok. Um, but yeah, and the video is wild. Someone calls him Usher like from a distance at, it looks like some sort of like casino or like very nice hotel. And he just comes in from like 20 yards away, like fists flying and like dives into the dude and is just throwing punches. Cause the guy, maybe he was messing with him and like trying to get him triggered. Maybe he wasn't, who knows? Regardless, it's outrageous that someone would, like so closely that's like you know identity is you know the idea of you and being called something else can just set someone off that much but it's kind of like it's all related in that way any sort of like thing that you cling to any sort of stubbornness not everyone's going to freak out and start throwing punches in broad daylight in a public setting but it still boils up some degree of defensive mechanisms because they are questioning that which you identify with and that which you cling to as a sense of security. But it's like, if someone can just question it and all of a sudden it's not a sense of security, like how secure is it really? What are you going to like try and change everyone else? It's like that sort of idea of getting offended and how, you know, if I get offended by this then everyone else should change and everyone should be more considerate, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know how difficult your fucking life is going to be if you try and change everyone else versus just work on yourself and not getting offended by super, you know, basic stuff that most of the time people aren't really trying to be offensive in any way. It's almost like just an accident. So if you live a way where people have to be so careful around you that if they slip, you like flip a shit, that's got to be such an exhausting existence. Like I can't even fathom living like that right now i can uh, it's funny because uh before i i met my wife i was single for a number of years as, as you and i have, have discussed and it, the reason was because the relationships i had prior to that always ended up in that kind of situation where i felt like i was walking on eggshells and and i was walking on eggshells because i was so invested in that person validating me right and that was it and so I was afraid to rock the boat because I was afraid to lose, oddly enough, the fiction that was causing my fear. <laughs> and so that's what it came it became about. And so when I met my wife, I told her, I'm never going to walk on eggshells. I'm never going to worry about what I'm saying to you. If I say something offensive, voice it. Talk to me about it. Let's get that shit out in the open, right? So that we can, because my intention is important to me. Right. So I'm always watching my intention. That doesn't necessarily mean that I can compensate for all the variables. I don't know everybody's triggers. Right. Just talk to me about it. That's as simple as it gets, but I'm not going to walk on eggshells. And, and it's very important to remember that the reason we walk on eggshells is our own need because we don't need to walk on eggshells. All, all we have to do is be willing to scrap that situation. We just have to be willing to go, well, if this doesn't work. I'll do something else but we, we have a need for that situation. We have a perceived need for that situation based on our insecurity, which is based on the fiction that we tell ourselves because we're not really lacking anything. We just tell ourselves we are. And then we experience that lack as a result. And the more committed we are to that idea of ourselves, 
the more real that experience becomes. We are that powerful. We are that powerful in our mind that we can convince ourselves that we are worthless and we will perceive the world as seeing us as worthless. The mind is incredible that way. And so just remember not to believe yourself, not to believe your perception. It's just a perception. It's never the whole truth. It's always just a fragment. And if you can just remind yourself, it's a fragment, I don't know, you'll find yourself back in reality where you're free. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I, I had a post recently, someone commented, um, it was talking about how just like people just aren't really thinking about other people very much. And, you know, the idea that we we get caught up in thinking that, you know, there are certain things happening that maybe aren't and it, our brains sort of confirmational bias plays a massive role in that. And someone commented, um, it was something like, well, when I'm in public, you know, I notice everyone's staring at me. So like, I know that they are thinking about me. It's like, I responded with a video and I was like, well, no, you don't. You actually don't know that they're all thinking about you and you thinking you having this perception, even writing this comment right now, thinking, saying that everyone's staring at you, not everyone is staring at you, but you think that everyone is staring at you. So your brain is noticing people who are looking at you and they may only have a passing glance, but you are like attaching to everything. And then you equate someone just glancing at you to all of a sudden they're thinking about you and you go down this crazy rabbit hole of being like, you know, they think this, 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 I have, you know, this certain way, all because you're just perceiving yourself like that. And you're sort of validating your own suffering by thinking that someone else is thinking the same thing when you, it's like someone literally like glanced over because probably because they thought they heard someone call their name. And all of a sudden you, you're thinking that, you know, they are staring at you and thinking about how silly your shoes look because, you know, you walked in some mud and now they think that, you know, you stepped in dog shit and you probably smell really bad. And it's like, they just thought they heard their name. And all of a sudden you're like sweating and like freaking out. And in reality, like you have no idea and you don't know, even if say everyone is staring at you, maybe everyone just thinks you look like a really nice person and they want to be your friend or, you know, they find you physically attractive, you know, whatever. It could be an infinite number of things, but because of our limited perceptions, we think that they are thinking certain specific things. And it's like, you have no idea. Like you don't even have close to an inkling of an idea of what anyone is thinking. So when you're able to sort of relax into that mindset of like, I don't know, all of a sudden, like those things don't bother you as much. And like, even just the starting idea that everyone is staring at you all the time, you don't know that. So all of a sudden your brain isn't noticing just like passing glances. And all of a sudden you can see things clearly without distortion of your own perceptions and judgments and beliefs about the way the world is and about how other people are that everyone stares at you all the time. It's like when you're able to get beyond that and just question it and settle on, I don't know, all of a sudden, all of those things won't be confirmed every time you believe that, like all of that confirmation bias isn't happening as often. And you're able to sort of like the fog starts to settle when you relax into that uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. But 
sometimes you have to go through a few experiences where your assumptions get proven wrong in order for you to learn that, you know, like it, it could be one of those moments where, you know, somebody's like, and you wave back, right? And they're actually waving to somebody behind you. You're like, oh, okay, that didn't have anything to do with me at all. Um, or there was actually an experience I had at the Ship and Anchor, which is a bar uh, in Calgary when I was much younger. Um, and it was very much, there was a guy across the, the bar who kept looking at me. And so I looked back, I'm like, why is he looking at me? And what I didn't understand was that he thought I was looking at him. So the two of us were going back and forth, wondering why is that guy looking at me? So he ended up coming over and getting like right pissed off and like wanting to get into a fight. And I'm like, what are you talking about what's happening? He's like, why are you staring at me? I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and, it was, and that was the whole thing. So we ended up talking and having a beer and all that, but it built up to a point where he was legitimately thinking that I was judging him, that I was talking to him and I wasn't ever talking about him to my buddy. And it was just like, everyone's going to be like, I'd be like, why does that guy keep looking at me? <laughs> and that was it. And he assumed that I was staring at him. And, and so it just goes to show that you really don't, you don't know. Right. And that you can create this whole thing in your head. That's really not happening. But I always, I, I find it kind of funny that it's like, it dawns on us that they might be judging us, but it doesn't dawn on us that the worst judgment that we assume they're making is our worst judgment about ourselves. Like we never think to ourselves, I wonder if they're judging me for something that I'm not thinking about. We always assume we know what they're judging us for. <laughs> right? And it's like, that's because you're, that's your judgments. And the fact is that you don't know, you don't know if they're judging you. And more importantly, and this is something I try to rely on. If somebody is judging you, they're not. They don't even see you, right? That's why they're judging, because they're only looking at themselves, right? So it's very important to remember that. If you feel like you're being judged, you're not even being seen. Yeah, it is fascinating when you start to, I don't know, like go on this process of sort of waking up and just like seeing yourself in everyone. It's like, you were always seeing yourself in everyone, but it's like, whether you think of yourself as this idea that you're sort of like seeing a mirror in that idea of themselves, or you see that you are, you know, this deeper awareness of the universe kind of beyond this personality, this idea of yourself, all of a sudden, then you're seeing that another awareness of the universe, you're seeing yourself like actual you versus if you're caught up in the fiction, you're just seeing, you know, the surface human. So it's always like, however, whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum, it's always seeing that reflection of who you think you are. And so once you get deep enough to realizing that it's all the same thing, like I am that other, other human is like, that's actually me. And there's no you know, like veil of something to judge. It's like, that's just another version of me existing right there. So it's interesting how it's always been a mirror, even when you get to a point of seeing like the true, the true them, the like sort of deeper them, it's like, you're still seeing yourself. And before you saw that you were seeing yourself also. So it's like always just looking in a mirror, every experience, everything, every judgment you make and every thing you see in other people and kind of like judge them for. And I've caught myself in that way that like some of my 
things I used to be very insecure about, like when I would see that in someone else, like I, that was the first thing that I kind of like noticed about someone else every time, because I was afraid that like, that was the first thing that other people would notice. Meanwhile, they're all noticing the first thing about me that they're worried about. So it's like, no one's actually noticing anything that everyone's worried about them noticing. And it's, it's pretty fascinating. <laughs> Why well, go into every situation now, just unconcerned about how people think about me in general because one I don't know and, and two frankly I don't care I, I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at right now because everybody's going to think what they need to think based on wherever they are in their own journey to me what's important is whatever it is we're there to accomplish right which is very much uh, how I, I treat work or any project that I get onto is that you know we're all doing our own thing but if we can at least get out of our own way enough we'll have the clarity to work together on something rather than working on a project for all of our own intentions and all of our own reasons. We can actually just put our reasons aside to focus on that project in clarity, which again, leads back to what we're doing with Beyond Transcendence and the upcoming uh, NFTs and the DAO and everything else that's coming in the very near future. And I just wanna say, because we're coming up to the end of our podcast episode today very shortly, that if you are interested in the dualistic unity NFTs. If you're interested in the DAO that is going to be developed over the, the near future and you wanna to talk to us about this, we are having a Patreon exclusive uh, group Zoom this Wednesday. And of course, on the first Wednesday of February as well. So you're welcome to chat with us there. Join our Discord. Of course, you can connect with us directly there. I think we're up to over 70 members on Discord now. So that membership is growing quite quickly and the conversation's awesome. It's all about everything that we're talking about here. So if you're listening to this and you wanna get more involved, join us on Discord, join us on Patreon, let us know that you're on this journey and let everybody else know as well so we can all share in the insights that you're coming to. Yeah, it's exciting to see, it's, it's growing quick. It'll, it'll be interesting, it'll be fun kind of looking back on you know, this year and everything. It's, it, it was almost, it was already crazy like how it was only, you know, four months of last year it was only a third of last year and like the sort of like what we were able to see, but it, it's fun to have this conversation and then see so many other people being involved and like resonating with it. And it, I think there is a sort of thirst for this sort of conversation that is not always easy to come across and easy to find necessarily. And, and I know just for me, I kind of like take for granted that other people are, you know, understand it and, and resonate with this message as quickly as they do. I know you've been going through this for a while. And, and when you were in my shoes, you know, at my age, it wasn't always like that. So I can imagine it's, it's almost even more exciting to see you know, anyone else having, you know, the ability and, and desire to, you know, want to have this conversation. So it's, it's pretty cool. You got it. That's what it is. It's, it's the enthusiasm for, it, right? Because for so long, you could start having this conversation. But then as soon as, as soon as you said a keyword, you know, unity consciousness, spiritual fluff just comes out in force and you're no longer talking about anything that's real you're no longer talking about anything that's actually getting past the identity you've just got lost in spiritual ego 
And it's because you're using concepts that are part of their discussion. And so for a very long time, that's what would happen. You'd start getting into these conversations. Somebody would go, oh, that sounds like something I read in The Power of Now, or that sounds like something I read from Dolores Cannon, right? And before you know it, that's all you were doing. Now you were just talking to another spiritual identity rather than you know, trying to get past that identity, trying to find the reality behind it. It's kind of like people who believe in God versus people who recognize that they are God. One is just a conceptual thing. The other one is, is an act of peeling away everything you know until what, what is remains, right? So when I go into our Discord, for example, when we do the group, uh, the group Zooms on Patreon and when we do the, the free public group Zooms, we have these conversations with people. And what, what's inspiring to me is that they're not asking spiritual questions. For the most part, they're not even bringing up spirituality. What they're bringing up is how their, their consciousness works, how their mind works, the, the consequences of overcommitting to fiction. They're talking about this in a very real and tangible and applicable way. That's amazing. I am inspired daily, daily. I, I, I go for a walk every day just, just basking in how exciting it is that more and more people are looking at this conversation, not as a way to feel superior, not as a way to define themselves, but a way to get out of that entire prison and find the freedom that we're talking about. That inspires me all the time. And I can't wait to see how much we can push that this year because lots of ideas. And if, if you are listening and you have ideas and you want to contribute to this, this movement that we're doing or this group that's growing, definitely join us because we want we want your participation we want you to be involved with this because you're us yeah i know i know we gotta finish up here soon but i think yeah one thing you brought up just the applicability is so cool to see like all we do on this is talk about our experiences and experiences of people around us and just how that relates back to us and it's all just like it is readily accessible information and readily applicable, you know, use cases and experiences. And it's not this like, you know, foo-foo idea where you have to like cling to all of this stuff and like remember all of this stuff. It's like a few basic things that everything kind of like stems from that we've, you know, discussed over and over with, you know, the ideas of, beliefs and identity and just really not taking anything too seriously is what it comes down to and and kind of settling into you know everything is uncertain nothing is that serious you aren't who you think you are and from there it's like it's applicable to just about anything we can discuss it it is cross disciplinary more so than anything else it's not like this specific discipline like it's not this practice it's it's this understanding of the uncertainty of reality at its core and just applying that to the infinite number of situations that we find ourselves in in these infinite number of incarnations of the universe experiencing itself like there is no limit to this discussion. And I think that's why it's been so easy to, you know, this is our 16th episode and it's never been, you know, difficult to come up with more stuff. Cause like we're experiencing life every single week. And because I think we don't cling to 
like sort of narratives and these sort of reoccurring cycles that a lot of us, including myself, have like always sort of lived in. It's like, we're more aware of what's, you know, happening every day. So like we come to these episodes where we're not necessarily thinking about like, oh, what did I experience this week that could be applicable to do a list of unity? It just kind of, we kind of just express whatever we've been through. And as we discuss things come up. So I think the application of this stuff and just the, the usability of it directly into every single thing that we do and the freedom that comes with that is, you know, what brings about the sort of freshness and just, it, it you know, helps me every week. I, I re-listen to it after we post it and it's like, it just re-resonates and I'm like, oh yeah. And it's, it's not like, you know, something where you study it and you have to learn it and you have to, you know, I, I guess it's sort of a practice, but it's in through any experience you have. It's not like you have to go out and like go through these certain steps, like a workout or something where you have to work out. Your, it's like, you can do literally anything and just apply a few of these understandings and boom, that's, that's it. It's just experience, experiencing reality here and now all the time. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. Right. This is what I enjoyed about Wing Chun was that Wing Chun only has three forms. There's only three forms in Wing Chun. There's no other katas or anything else, right? And it's just because they teach you very basic concepts. And then it's up to you in the moment to use them based on your sensitivity and your own flow. They never teach you to do what every other student does. They tell you to trust yourself, right? It has to be applicable. And that's, that's exactly what this is. And, and, and it's not you don't have to learn anything. That's the thing about this conversation is that sometimes you walk away from it going, okay, I'm going to keep these things in mind, right? But what we're really saying is that as long as you're always willing to just not commit to what you're thinking as truth, as certainty, these are just the insights you're going to keep running across. That's what that is, right? It's, it, identity is just one of those things that you're going to keep noticing rubs you the wrong way if you keep accepting uncertainty. Right. That's just how it's going to go. So we're not teaching anything so much as just talking about what's happening to us as we're uncertain. Right. And that's it. And we're coming from two different stories of uncertainty. I've been uncertain for like half my life. Right. And you're you're basically embarking onto your and your journey of uncertainty. And what's funny is that we're both saying the same thing, which is exactly the point is that this conversation is universal and the path to our freedom. Likewise is universal individually and as, as it is expressed more by, uh, by us individually, collectively. That's what I'm looking forward to. Not even looking forward to. I'm enjoying watching it happen. Every day I get messages from people going, I, I just went through something really hard in my life and I didn't think about myself and it was amazing. And it's like, nice. That's awesome. Because I'm not offering any advice at all. If anything, what I'm saying is just let it happen you'll see exactly what you're capable of. And I just trust in that. Yeah, just settling into the uncertainty, just relaxing into it, not trying to cling to anything that, you know, soothes that desire for control and realizing that it's, it's never there anyway. So why cling to fictions that tells you that it is when you know that 
it never is because it never could be you know we we're not out here predicting the future so yeah it's it's pretty cool absolutely what well, eric eric was saying uh, we had him on on as a guest in, in season one he, he was saying like why are people so certain about things like why do they always have to assume they know and my only response was need that was pretty much it right because that's the only reason the only reason you would convince yourself you know so on that note we're going to end the episode here because it's it's getting later in the day and I'm sure we could talk for another two hours if we wanted to, but we have a Patreon live stream coming up this Wednesday. That's going to be an hour and a half. So of course we'll get to chat again there. Um, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. It's been a lot of fun. I do encourage you to go to check out Andrew's uh, Instagram page because he recently did uh, an interview with another person on his podcast that is well worth the listen. So definitely go and check that out. And aside from that, we will see you this Wednesday. And of course, uh, uh, for next week's episode. Bye, everyone.